Hey, um, my name is Adam. Uh, oh, my wife Corey with the lead pastors here. We have We just decided to grab your hangout with us tonight. Uh, this worship night we do these four or five times, six times a year, depending on what the Holy Spirit's up to. Um, and we use these nights for a lot of different reasons. Um, um, we use these nights for a lot of reasons. We use them sometimes to, uh, to teach something specifically, sometimes to, to talk further about something we're going to explore on Sunday mornings. Other times it feels like the Lord like downloads something to me um, that, that he wants me to share or wants one of our other pastors to share. And so as I was coming into the summer, one of the things I felt like the Lord kept saying over and over again was, was summer in Illinois like this is like for hungry people, if that makes any sense. Um, like it's real easy when we do a February worship night, you guys can go, I really gotta get out of the house. And I'm tired of being in my house, I'm gonna go to work tonight. But if you wanna be here on an 80 degree nice evening in July, like we don't ever get nice evenings in July, like you guys must be here for a reason. And so I began to talk to the Lord about what it means to be a hungry person, an expected person uh, of what God wants from us in our lives and our interaction with him. And um, I just recently had the pleasure of finishing uh, the biography of John Wimber. John Wimber is uh, the guy that started the first vineyard church 40 years ago. And he, uh, he has a pretty amazing story. But I think the biggest thing that came out of John's life was his hunger to partner with Jesus to do amazing stuff upon him. Not just to experience it when he died, but to experience it upon the earth, the, the stuff of Jesus upon the earth. And so he was really, really hungry for what God wanted to do in his church. And he was always praying for healing and teaching on healing, even when he wasn't seeing it, things like that. And then um, I think John came to the same place that we all do when we're trying to like see the more of God in our lives. He came to the same place where he started running into these questions. Tell me if, if you've ever asked yourself these questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? I remember early in my walk, that was like one of my first big questions, right? How about this one? Why does God allow bad things to happen to people? Does God cause bad things to happen to people? And I think John wrestled through those questions like the rest of us do, even though he was experienced a lot of what God was doing, he, he wrestled through those questions. Now, he had the benefit of working for Fuller Theological Seminary. So he was around some really smart people his entire life, right? He's teaching at a Bible college at a seminary. And there was a man there by the name of George Ladd who came up with this diagram. And some of you who have been around the vineyard for a long time know this diagram. But if you've never been around the vineyard, I, I want to try and explain to you this diagram. It's really, really important. So on the bottom, you've got a big, giant, kind of reddish-orange arrow that says, this age, or the kingdom of darkness, it's the world we live in. Got it? And the top arrow is the age to come, the kingdom of light or heaven. Those two make sense to you? We know earth and heaven, right? So those are the two arrows, essentially. Then you've got two arrows coming down from the middle. you got the first coming of Jesus, when he showed up, came as a baby. You guys, well, everybody knew a Christmas story? You guys are okay? okay. So this is the birth of Jesus, this life of Jesus for 30 some odd years, dies on the cross, raised again. And then we all believe that there's a second coming of Jesus. Sometime he's coming back. And then we'll all be in eternity and paradise with him, those of us who place our faith in him. If you never place your faith in Jesus, I want you to talk to me after the service because there's an amazing reward for you after this life is over. But here's the deal. 
we live in this, what's called this, I don't know, you can call it the time between times. <laughs> you can call it the last days. A lot of people call it the last days, the time between when Jesus came first time and when he comes the second time. Um, but George Wagg coined this phrase, the already of the kingdom of God and the not yet of the kingdom of God. Where the two kingdoms are coexisting at the same time. I'm going to give you a, a good example of this. Um, if you know anything about World War II, we won the war at D-Day. But the war wasn't over until a few years later. You guys with me on that? Like you know anything about World War II? Here's the deal. A lot of people don't realize we lost more people between D-Day and the victory of World War II than we did prior to D-Day. So we live in that existence in the spiritual realm now. In between when the victory was won at the cross of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the second coming. We live in the last days in this overlapping time when there's, there's a war going on, if that makes any sense to you. There's still a war going on even though the battle has been won. Okay, so what John and George were trying to do at Fuller Theological Seminary was create a grid to understand why sometimes it doesn't seem like heaven shows up. Anybody ever experienced that? A bad thing happened to a good person. It seemed like God allowed something to happen to a good person. Why was there struggle and strife and all these things happening? Maybe some of you in the room right now are going, I'm wearing glasses. There's a battle. I'm not fully, I don't have 20-20 vision like I promised in heaven yet. Maybe you've got an ache and a pain. Maybe you've got a family member that's got an ache and a pain. Maybe you have a relationship that's not perfect. What George Ladwin explains to you is you have both the already of the kingdom of God living in you and the fullness of Jesus Christ dwelling within you by his God's Holy Spirit. And you also are experiencing the not yet of the kingdom of darkness still at war with the kingdom of light. Does that make sense to everybody in here? Let me read you a couple of scriptures that will be very, very helpful with this. Because I want you to see this as something. I want you to see this as not as God's design, but as a spiritual battle. I want you to begin to see that the things that you face in this life are not God's design for your life, but they're a spiritual battle that you are in the middle of, whether you recognize it or not. So here's Ephesians chapter 6. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power and put on the armor of God. You guys know that passage of scripture probably. Maybe you've heard it. There's a belt, there's a breastplate, there's a sword, there's all the things, okay? But listen to what he says. That you may be able to stand firm against all the strategies and all the tricks, all the lies, all the stuff the devil. For the struggle is what? Not against flesh and blood. Your struggle that you're in the middle of, the thing that you're facing, the battle that you seem to be in, whether it's a physical battle, a financial battle, an emotional battle, a relational battle, a spiritual battle, is a battle between what God wants to do and what Satan is pushing up against in your life. Everybody okay with what I'm saying right now? It's making sense to you. Okay. Let me give you one more. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture in all the Bible. John 10, 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. God doesn't want that for you. What God wants for you is a rich and satisfying life. He wants your life. The, the idea here in the original language is a life where you're pouring water into the bucket and the bucket is overflowing at the top. God has no desire in your life for it to be in constant struggle. The question is, why do we struggle? Because we do. I don't know about you. I've had aches and pains in my back this week. <laughs> 
I've had difficulty sometimes in relationships this week, right? Um, we do have struggles. So when George Ladd came up with this idea, put that diagram back up there. What he's trying to do is give you a framework to understand what you're facing. Does that make sense? So I give you a framework to understand what you're facing in a day-in, day-out basis. What he was not trying to do was give you an excuse for your behavior. He was not trying to give us an excuse that, oh, I'm just in the already in the kingdom. He was trying to give us actually an expectation that the kingdom of heaven could break in. That the kingdom of heaven had opportunities where it would break into our lives. That the kingdom of heaven was the thing that as followers of Jesus, that we not only carry with us, but that we should go, I want that to show up when I show up at Walmart, when I show up at church, when I show up at home. That the kingdom of God would break in. What he was never trying to do was give you a reason not to pray. We're never trying to give you a reason not to push in for the more of God. What he's trying to do is give you a framework to understand why sometimes when I am praying for healing in my own body, in my family's body, in my friend's body, in that person that really needs the gospel body, why does it happen? Because the fullness of the kingdom of God comes at the second coming of Jesus. But our expectancy is... What does the kingdom of God look like? Maybe you've read Revelation that says there'll be no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering. We'll wipe every tear from our eye, and everything's going to be awesome, right? And so, what George is trying to do is say, here's why it happens. But the expectancy of the non-believer is the not yet of the kingdom. The expectancy of the believer should be the already of the kingdom. We say it again. The expectancy of the non-believer is that the kingdom's not going to show up. The expectancy of the believer is that the already is going to come. When I show up, when I pray, when I worship, when I reach out, then the already is going to show up. Yeah. Now hear me on this. This is so important. It hasn't been 100% in my life. <laughs> I don't know what you guys. It hasn't been 100% in my life. But I don't want that to stop me from expecting it. I don't want my experience to stop me from expecting the kingdom of heaven to show up every time I pray. Listen to this. This is an amazing passage of scripture from Mark 16. Oh my gosh. This gets me all the time. Go into the world, preach the good news. Everyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to be believed, they ain't going to make it. You gotta believe. And these are the signs that will accompany those who believe. These miraculous signs. I read that 50 times the last two weeks. Just to make sure I wasn't saying it wrong. These miraculous signs will accompany those who are great creatures. No. These miraculous signs will accompany those who are have that special anointing. <laughs> These are the miraculous signs that will accompany those who went to seminary. These are the miraculous signs that will accompany those who know all the right things in their Bible. These are the miraculous signs that will accompany those who have been Christians for at least five years. 
those who believe. Now here's the crazy thing. There's one translation that says, these are the signs that will follow those now, we have a six-month-old puppy at home, and he follows us everywhere, to the bathroom, <laughs> outside, inside, to the bedroom, right, to the kids' room, to the kitchen, especially to the kitchen, right? <laughs> um, the puppy follows me everywhere. The idea here is that when you believe, I'm saying again, when you believe, this stuff's going to follow you. Well, what other things are going to follow you? Can't be that big of a deal. <laughs> How about that first one? <laughs> For some of us, that's way outside our comfort zone, right? These are the signs that will happen to those who believe. They'll cast out demons, speak in new languages or new tongues, depending on translation. Oh gosh, I hate this one. <laughs> We're not going to become a snake handling church. Everybody okay? There's no snake handling. I'm not ever going to bring them in. If we see one in the building, we throw it out back in the field. Okay? <laughs> We're not going to be drinking any poisons. <laughs> and they'll be able to place their hands on the sick, and they'll be healed. Okay, so there's four or five things here. What is, what, is the, what is Jesus trying to get at for his followers here? He's saying, if you believe... The stuff that's going to follow you is going to be greater than the stuff that's in your world. If you follow me and believe in me, the stuff that's going to come after you is going to be the stuff of the kingdom of heaven. It's going to look like people being set free from demonic oppression. It's going to look like people being healed of their hurts and their stuff. It's going to look like you're going to be able to walk into a dark place and Satan will be able to touch you because I live in you. That's right. These are the miraculous signs that will follow the those who believe in Jesus Christ. Just for those of you that are completely freaked out by the snake thing, just so you know, there's a story in the later book of Acts where Paul actually gets bit by a viper and he shakes it off and it doesn't hurt him, which is cool. Because I like that idea. If I find a snake in my backyard, I can shake it off, right? But like, um, but the idea is you guys, you and I can walk into a dark place and expect the kingdom of heaven to show up. Expect Father God to come into the room. If our expectation is Jesus is with us, then we can expect that the kingdom of darkness has to run at the name of Jesus. If our expectation is Jesus, then we can expect that when we pray, God can do something that I cannot. If our expectation is Jesus, it means that guess what? The kingdom of God is near us now, right? That's Jesus' kingdom message, right? The kingdom of God is near us now, and he wants to break in. It's not based on your experience. It's not based on your anointing. It's not based on your education. It's based on your belief. Now, if your belief, go back to that diagram one last time. If your belief is greater in the not yet than in the already, guess what you're going to experience? You're going to experience the not yet. If your belief is greater in the not yet of the kingdom of heaven coming than in the heaven coming already, you're going to experience the not yet over and over. 
your normal will become that there's pain and suffering and difficulties. Does that mean we're not in the spiritual battle? No, of course not. I just told you. I believe we're there until the second coming of Christ. But we have this ability to come into a situation with the kingdom of heaven and go, but what if he does show up? You know how many people I talk to, and we've been doing ministry now for a couple of decades, and you know what, every time, I feel like I have more of these conversations, but what if he doesn't? But what if he does? But what if he doesn't? But what if he does? But I've been praying for that thing for years, but what if he does? You know, I prayed for many people that had cancer before I saw somebody heal the cancer. It didn't change my expectancy. But you know what? The first time I saw somebody heal of cancer, my expectancy went through the roof. And now every time I pray for cancer, my expectation is not that it's not going to happen. My expectation is that what happened in heaven shows up right now. I prayed for a ton of people with back pain before I saw somebody heal the back pain. And you go, well, that's not the big of a deal. If you ever struggle with back issues, it's a big deal. Now my expectation is every time I pray for somebody with back pain, they will. I pray for a lot of people with addictions. And you know what? Not all of them have been set free, but some of them have. Not going to counseling, not getting help, but set free in the moment from their addictions. What if our expectancy was that, not that I did anything special, but that the already the kingdom showed up and freed something? What if our expectancy was so much that we not yet, we didn't expect anybody to come to faith when we prayed for them? Can you imagine that? That'd be crazy, right? Oh, they won't be saved when they pray to Jesus for the first time. No, our expectancy is when they pray to Jesus for the first time, guess what happens? Jesus goes, yay! And comes and lives in them, right? And says yes to them. Because he's already said. prayers in all scripture is the one that we all know and I don't know if we always know what we're saying our father who is in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven the church has been praying for 2,000 years we know what we're praying but we're praying the already kingdom into existence. Your will. What's God's will for everybody to find him? What's God's will for everybody to be whole? What's God's will for everybody to be healed? What's God's will for everybody to be set free? What's God's will for no one to be demonically oppressed? What's God's will for everyone to experience his Holy Spirit? What's God's will for everybody to experience his love, his grace, his forgiveness? Your kingdom come on earth just like heaven. When we pray that prayer, we are praying the already of the kingdom of God into existence in that moment. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like I've experienced before. No. Your kingdom come, your will be done just like what I know I'm anointed for. No. Your kingdom come, your will be done just like you did it the last time? Nope. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just like that. Question. I want to end before I worship some more. What are you expecting? What are you coming for? What is your expectancy of Jesus? And I forget about tomorrow morning when you go do whatever you do, whether you're leaving on vacation like us, you're going to your job, you've got a, a normal Monday routine. What are you expecting to happen in the next hour? Are you expecting heaven? Or are you expecting the not yet? Are you expecting the already? Or are you expecting pushback from your enemy? What are you expecting? You know the only difference, I believe this, with almost everything within me, the only difference between the people who see great miracles in their ministries and those that don't is their expectancy of what God's going to do in the moment. Because we walk into a situation going, Heaven is coming, or to walk in going, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. What I'm doing is I just want you to, I'm going to raise it up just a little bit. I want to turn it up just a little notch for you. What is your expectation to happen tonight? Do you have pain in your body? Are you expecting in the next hour to be healed? Have you never been completely blown away by God's love and God's spirit? Are you expecting that to happen? If you feel bound up on your inside, either having nightmares or terrible dreams, or, or you're just having terrible relational conflict all the time, you're expecting that to be loose tonight? You've got financial difficulties, and you're like, oh my gosh, I cannot see the end of the road, but how am I going to make ends meet this Do you believe that God walks on streets of gold and wants to give you a piece of asphalt tonight? What's your expectancy in the next time? Are you expecting heaven, or are you expecting not yet? As a church, um, we want to be a church that expects a lot. Yes. <laughs> God's really big. And he's a good God. And he loves to give good gifts to his kids. Amen. I want to point you to a couple of things. They're important for those of you that especially call this place home. But for anybody that's in the room. Um, this fall, we're going to do eight weeks on the book of Acts and what did the apostles expect to happen. And we're going to talk to you about what it means to have a supernatural culture. To expect heaven to show up every single time it is. Tonight, when we're done worshiping, that worship team come on. When we're done worshiping tonight, we're going to pray for each other. And we're going to ask Holy Spirit to do things that you and I can't without his help. <laughs> and we're going to ask him to bring heaven into whatever broken situation you have in your life. Whatever is hurting. Whatever isn't lined up completely with heaven. We want to pray to break through that area. So here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to stand. If you can, physically. If you can't physically sit there and just Wait for somebody while we do this. Put that minute timer up. And if you have something that you're like, it's not fully aligned with heaven. So if you have wearing glasses in the room, guess what? You have something not fully aligned with heaven. Everybody went, dang it. 
That means if you have something that doesn't work like it's supposed to in your body, if you have something not working in a relationship, not working in your job, not working in your marriage, I want you to tell somebody next to you, this isn't working. This is going to line up with heaven. You're going to have a minute to tell them what it is. And we are going to, after that minute, I'm going to pray. And I believe and I expect that even during the worship time, some of those things are going to come home. Okay, one minute, tell somebody what's not lining up with heaven.